once or twice a year I preach on forgiveness because it is so central to our faith. It's really the core of who we are, right? We become more like Jesus through forgiveness. One simple reason for that is because he forgives us, right? He forgives like this is what he's like. And because he forgives us, we can forgive. And it really begs the question to us, if we're not forgiving someone, have we really received forgiveness? So if you guys can stand with me in honor of God's word, it'll be on the screen behind me. You can also turn to it on your device in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. And um, Holy Spirit, we uh, welcome your presence, fall fresh on me, that only you would speak um, what it is that you would have to say uh, to me and through me. Lord God, that you, Jesus, would be glorified, that we would be guided into all truth, and that I would co-testify to who you are, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, this is uh, a little bit of a longer passage, but let's read it together. Um, and remember, there's power in his word, and as his word goes forth, there's even transformation now. So let's read together, starting in verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. 
the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, Jesus tells this as a parable. It's a tale about a common, simple subject that reveals a valuable moral lesson. And he is a master at teaching, isn't he? What a master teacher. What a master storyteller Jesus is. I want to grow in my storytelling. I mean, this, like, ability, this is so good. But uh, as he tells this story... Um, you can see how the disciples, uh, or before the story even, when he says 77 times you should forgive, like they're probably a bit startled at this. I mean, after all, Peter's thinking, I'm being gracious. I'm like, seven times, Lord? He's trying to impress Jesus, right? And let's be real. He's like, seven times, right, God? That's pretty good, huh? I'm like, I mean, I remember the law of Moses under which I grew up, and it was eye for an eye. So, isn't that pretty good? Seven times? And Jesus responds to this, and I can imagine that the disciples uh, might be recalling, uh, as Jesus tells this parable in Capernaum, might be recalling and even seeing in proximity this Mount of the Beatitudes right next to them. And the Mount of the Beatitudes, you may know, is the, where Jesus shared prior to this parable the, his longest and most famous sermon, where he said... I, you have heard it said, um, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, if anyone hits you in the right cheek, turn to him <clears throat> your left cheek also. And so maybe, I don't know, but maybe it's just like dawning on them. Like, this dude is altogether different. Like, he's on another plane. His kingdom is just a different world, right? And they're reminded yet again. He just takes it to a whole other level than the law right? Like grace is more demanding. And it's like 77 times. Uh, you must forgive essentially saying, right, that you need always to forgive. And even if it's the same person 77 times, an infinite number of times is basically what he's saying, right? You need to forgive. Well, in that day, you know, this parable, this guy is a dishonest uh, servant um, who it's time to square up with his master. And in Palestine in that day, there would have been an 800-talent uh, tax levy per year that would have amounted to today's buying power of about $10 million that the servant owed the master. $10 million. Do you know what his fellow servant owed him? About 10 bucks. <laughs> about $10. And so you're, Jesus is painting a dramatic picture here right? And yet, we do find ourselves in this story, if we're honest, and that's also his point, right? That he's saying what, um, oh, this is on, okay. He is saying what Paul wrote from Ephesus decades later, essentially, to say, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, this is pre-cross when Jesus shares this parable, right? He hasn't died yet. This is the, therefore the pre-church era. The church has not been birthed yet. And yet the message is essentially the same, right? The message is because God forgives you, forgive, right? And can you imagine with me God as this merciful master? Because there's no question, who is God in this passage? He's the merciful master, right? Imagine with me Jesus turning his cheek 
an infinite number of times in what he carried on the cross. He carried our sorrows. Now, when we say our sorrows, we can just pass over these verses like a lot of other things in Scripture, right? Imagine the sorrows of the world, past, present, and future, that he carried them all. All of the griefs that you yourself have experienced in your short lifetime. All that you will and everyone next to you. And everyone even in the world, past, present, and future, he carries. See, some people think, well, I know Jesus died a most excruciating, humiliating, physical death. And that other people have died that death also. Make no mistake, brothers and sisters. Nobody carried what Jesus suffered on the cross. Because he carried our things. Everybody else, it was physical, right? It was traumatic, but it was physical. Like who died on the cross like he did? Everybody else, they didn't carry our stuff. They died on the cross like he did, but what was different was that he bore our diseases. Every trauma, every mental health issue, every physical disease, every kind of cancer, Jesus bore on that cross. He became sin on which the Father's wrath fell. He carried our punishment of the Father's wrath on us. Because there had to be a restitution. There had to be a payment for sin because God is perfectly holy. And if God were not perfect love, we would be paying the penalty, right? We rehearse this every week. He says, remember the cross, right? And... So, Jesus is so generous in his mercy that he not only doesn't give us what we do deserve, and that's the definition of mercy, right? It's that we don't get what we do deserve. He not only doesn't give us what we do deserve, he takes it for us. And when he takes it on himself, then what does he do? While on the cross, what does he say? Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they're doing. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they're doing. And um, he, he not only does that, but then he declares us not just forgiven. In such generous mercy and grace, he declares us innocent. He says there's this, there's this fancy theological word, we're justified. We're declared not guilty in the court of heaven. He took it for us. And we are now innocent. We are forgiven. We are innocent. But not only are we innocent, we are made righteous. He who knew no sin became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. Let this sink in fresh this morning. That he has made us righteous. Jesus is the merciful master. He forgives us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we are commanded to forgive in this parable and elsewhere. In the Sermon on the Mount uh, of the Beatitudes, he also said it, that if you don't forgive, your Father won't forgive you. Anytime God says you must forgive or command something from us, it is for our good. Because he's not just perfect holiness. He's perfect love right? See, he didn't 
He sent his son because he so loved the world, right? Like, in his holiness, he could have had us pay the penalty. But in his love, he had Jesus pay it. Right? And so he commands us to forgive because he wants what's best for us. You can trust his, this love. Right? You can trust this love. And so, I want to rehearse what I've done in other trainings, what I've done uh, in, my, in a few sermons as well. What forgiveness is not. Because in every crisis, in every time someone comes to me with pain, whether it's in restoration prayer context or otherwise, um, often at the core is this issue of forgiveness. So it's, and there's new people in the room, it's super important that we understand what forgiveness is not to get at what forgiveness is because the, the, what I'm going to describe are common misconceptions that are spiritual in nature often. The enemy tries to lie to us so that we don't forgive. So the first one is that forgiveness is not... Whoops, I passed it up. It's not trusting the person who hurt you. Okay, some might say, well, I can't trust them yet, so I don't forgive them. That sounds logical, right? But it's just that they're not the same thing. And so I had a friend uh, who I befriended through ministry in Aliquippa years ago, and it wasn't long before I realized this guy is manipulating, trying to manipulate me. He's lying to me. And um, and so I had forgive. I met with him in a third party didn't feel safe kind of deal. I forgave him, set some boundaries. And shortly after that, and unrelated to our relationship, he went to jail for a time. But then he came back out and he said, hey man, I came to Christ in jail. And I was so encouraged. And um, as, he as he described his journey and how he came to Jesus, and, um, and he, he said this weird thing to me. It, it seemed unnatural. He said, do you trust me? now that I'm a believer in Jesus. And I said, I wasn't even thinking about that. Like, I was just excited he got out. I was excited that he came to Christ. And I said, well, no, I don't trust you yet. Like, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, but I don't trust you yet because trust is earned through repeatable, observable behavior over time. Forgiveness is given, right? It's freely given, like God has given us everything, right? But trust is earned, and any healthy relationship is built on trust, right? And, um, but I can still forgive that person, like they don't have power over me because I don't trust them yet. Like, I'm only, they only have power over me if I give it to them by not forgiving, right? The second is forgiveness is not dismissing your pain. Some people say, well, I'm still hurt, so I can't forgive. Like, I want to be real before God. I don't want to be fake. Like, I'm still in a lot of pain here. Like, from this person, and they're who hurt me. Like, I can't forgive them yet. That sounds logical. But keep in mind that our souls are made up of our mind, wills, and emotions. And um, forgiveness doesn't happen from our emotions. It's not based on how we feel, in other words. It's a, rather a choice of the will. Forgiveness is a choice of the will. And so forgiveness is not related to our emotions. It is often related, though, to our healing. See, Jesus is very passionate about both forgiving us. He's eager to forgive us. 
He's also passionate about our healing. Like he won healing for us on the cross, just like he won forgiveness for us on the cross. So let me talk about, they might not be, it's not an obvious thing how these two can be related. So let me share a story of what I mean. So I was in prayer one morning and the Lord um, revealed to me that to forgive a couple, um, friends. And I was like, well, I wasn't really offended by by what they did. And he said, I don't, I don't care. They wronged you and I want you to forgive them. And so I forgave them and I began to rehearse and like, in other words, really feel permission for the first time to acknowledge what was hard, what was hurtful, and what was lost. And do you know, as I forgave them for those things, for what they did and, this, this is for free, what they did and how they made me feel, how they hurt me. So like, these are the things we, this is a practical application, how we can forgive people. <laughs> like what they did to me and how it made me feel. As I began to do that, I began to weep and grieve what was hurtful, what was hard, and what was lost. The Lord began to heal me emotionally as I forgave. So forgiveness can be a key and often is related to healing, a key for healing. And so, um, but it is not, but we forgive as a choice of the will, not a choice of the most. And so it's not, it's not dismissing our pain. Lastly, forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is given freely and it's unilateral, which means just, it's unilateral. It's a one-way street. I don't have to wait for them to do something in return. You might say, well, they're not even sorry, much less do they want to reconcile to me. So I haven't forgiven them. And... It's really not, again, we're not, they have no power over you unless you give it to them. And so forgiveness is not waiting for the other person to want to be restored to right relationship. Instead, forgiveness is a choice of the will, not emotions, to release a person from the debt they owe you. Forgiveness is a choice of the will to release a person from the debt they owe you. Okay, and um, if we don't forgive, Jesus says the Father won't forgive us. What does he mean by that? Do we earn forgiveness from the Father by forgiving other people? No. We, we, we don't earn anything from God. It's all freely given. So what is he saying here? Because it sure sounds like it, right? Um, but no, rather, the proof that we don't believe and haven't received forgiveness is evidenced in that we did not forgive, right? So in the unmerciful, in the parable of the unmerciful servant, he's not forgiven because he's not really received it. If this is forgiveness, which is, what's in my hand right now, if I receive it, then I can give it, right? The kingdom's very tangible, even though it's, it's, it's an issue of faith, not by sight, that I can give it. But if I don't receive it, if I don't believe it, I don't have it to give. So does that make sense? And so, the Father can't forgive you, not because He won't forgive you, but because you won't receive it. And so that's the difference. And that's what Jesus is getting at in the Sermon on the Mount. That's what Jesus is getting at here in this passage. I feel like this is more like a training on forgiveness. But I'm going to preach too. But All right. Um, and so, um, before we get to that, I just want to say that 
um, and I said this over a year ago when I preached on forgiveness, but if we don't forgive, um, it, it not only shows we haven't received forgiveness, but it also is like walking into a prison cell, much like the unmerciful servant in the parable, right? Like handing Satan the key, and he makes a terrible master, brothers and sisters. <laughs> and the bars of that cell are like bitterness for your soul. And you, therefore, are stuck in terms of your health. And you cannot grow spiritually. Pete Scazzaro, author, pastor, says that we can only be as spiritually mature in as much as we are emotionally healthy. Like, if we're not, if we have, if we have a root of bitterness through unforgiveness, I can't grow spiritually. I'm going to be stuck in this prison cell, right? <laughs> and so, and the enemy's having influence over my life through believing in this lie. That's the key part. It's like, that's the press, like, the Bible says, and it actually, the context is forgiveness. The Bible says, in your, don't go to bed angry lest the enemy get a foothold. The foothold, the Greek word for foothold there, you may have heard me say elsewhere, is to render your soul passive. To render your will passive. What is that saying? That's saying, believing the lie, I don't have a choice. I can't forgive. They hurt me. I'm not better yet. I can't forgive. I don't trust them. I can't forgive. I, you know, I already rehearsed all that. So it's that. It's the end. It's believing the lie that I can't forgive or I'm justified in not forgiving because of what they did to me. Remember, this is not dismissing or minimizing your pain. Conversely, the principal truth of this parable, and my main point, is the one forgiven much forgives much. The one forgiven much forgives much. And so that begs the question, right? Have I been forgiven much, or am I aware of how much I've been forgiven? We're probably not aware of how much we've been forgiven, <laughs> none of us. But have we been forgiven much? Um, there, uh, there's a worship leader I know of um, who shared a powerful testimony. Her name's Jenny. And Jenny um, was a meth addict. She was a heroin addict. She harmed herself. She was um, into witchcraft. And she got radically saved. And it appears, I don't know Jenny personally, it appears that all she is and all that she has is the Lord's. Like, she is just a lover of Jesus. And I see this picture of Jenny, and I have this sense that Jenny has been, is aware or in touch with how much she's been forgiven. And she loves much. She forgives much, is my sense of Jenny. I know uh, most of you um, pretty well, and I see in a lot of you ones who have been forgiven much and loved much because you've been in touch with your brokenness, and your brokenness has been touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's so encouraging. But you know, many of us have this story of like two-parent family, stable environment, grew up in the church, maybe even came to Christ young, and I just sincerely don't have that story. And I'm reminded of what Henry said last week. Don't let the enemy lie to you that you don't have a testimony. And I would take that a step further to say, don't let the enemy lie to you and tell you you don't have Jenny's testimony. 
And by that, I don't mean that you did the things, the activities she did necessarily. But what I do mean is that we are every bit as broken and depraved. And until we get in touch with that and are met by the grace of Jesus in that place, we won't be aware that we're forgiven much. Because make no mistake, brothers and sisters, we're forgiven much. Right? <laughs> but we won't be aware of how much we're forgiven until He takes us there to that place. And He doesn't do it in condemnation and shame. The Holy Spirit came to convict us of sin. That we would know where we're legitimately guilty. Why? That we would confess our sin. And Jesus, our faithful advocate, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Good news for our bad news, right? He doesn't leave us in bad news. But he does want us to be in touch with this principle, truth, that we are forgiven much. And should we be forgiven much, should we be aware of that, then we'll forgive much because we'll love much. He says of a woman elsewhere in the Gospels that she loves much because she's forgiven much, right? Do we want to love much? <laughs> we in worship talked about the love of the Father and wanting to walk in that love. Not just to receive it, but to release it, right? Forgiveness is a core part of that for us. It's a core part of that. We are in family. Brooke talked about being in community. We are in family with messy people, right? I mean, I'm not, but you guys, no. We are messy people, right? We're, we need to forgive each other. <laughs> we need to forgive each other, brothers and sisters. And this is how we do life in unity together. It's not, it's not being perfect, and it's not um, without messing up. It's that love fails not, right? It's that love is not easily offended. And when we're aware that we've been forgiven much, we will love each other much. And we can keep unity through honesty, through forgiveness. Amen. Paul said this, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So this may be calm. This may be a familiar verse, set of verses to some of you. But Tim Mackey, Bible scholar from the Bible Project, um, he talks about this word grace from the New Testament. That throughout the New Testament, we see that this is actually an unconditioned gift, not an unconditional gift. And that might sound like semantics, um, but what he's referring to, unconditional, is that this is freely given. There's, there is no expectation in return. But unconditioned is, this is freely given. And there's absolutely a requirement on our lives to live like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there is a call on our lives, right? To become more like Jesus, to follow him and do what he said to do, right? Maybe a better way to understand this is that, to, is that the unconditioned gift of God or the grace of God is for us to pay forgiveness forward. That we've been forgiven, we can pay it forward, and we must. Right? All right. Can you see the value of availing ourselves to Jesus' healing power, meeting our brokenness, that we would grow in love? 
Well, I mentioned that the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sins. Do you know He also comes to convict us of our righteousness? <laughs> the Holy Spirit convicts us that we are righteous. He wants us to be convinced of this. And so a word on forgiving yourselves, because a lot of times I see people sincerely aren't aware or they're not willing yet to forgive themselves for what they did. It's like, who are we to not forgive ourselves if God is willing to forgive us, if God is forgiving us, right? And so I want to exhort us, brothers and sisters, to forgive ourselves, realizing that not only does God meet us in our brokenness with His grace, but that we are made righteous by His blood, and we are forgiven. You know, God wants us to have godly sorrow without regret. And the enemy wants us to have regret without godly sorrow. The enemy wants us to stay, as John Weber said last week, in condemnation and shame. That's the regret without godly sorrow. Like, there's nothing I can do about this. I really messed this up. That's not true. Confess to the Lord. But beyond that, he's called us to be righteous. We're called to be merciful. And Jake, if you can come and play. Um, we're called to be merciful, and it's an invitation. This is an invitation from God, right? It's an invitation. The unmerciful servant in this parable, he did not um, extend mercy, but he wanted to receive it, right? And the Lord doesn't just say that we're forgiven. He doesn't just say that we're innocent or that we're righteous. He also says we are ambassadors, we are ambassadors of what is called the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what that ministry is from Scripture? It's that the Lord does not hold your sins against you. But He has reconciled you to Himself. Today is the day of your salvation. That's the message of an ambassador of the ministry of reconciliation. Do you know what an ambassador is? I think most of you probably do. An ambassador is a representative, a representative of the place that you come from. That's the kingdom of light, brothers and sisters. And we go to another country with a badge of authority that Jesus won for us at the cross. That's the kingdom of darkness. And we tell the world who does not know, yet know Jesus, hey, good news for your bad news. God does not hold your sins against you. Period. Like, he doesn't hold your against you. You can receive this forgiveness, this good news today. And you are reconciled to God. If you believe that and you receive that, you have the right to be called a child of God and you shall be saved. Right? And this is what it is to be a minister of reconciliation. It's to speak forgiveness that we've received, that we've released to others, and now we're telling people the good news about it, right? <laughs> and so there are two applications that are super simple, and we're actually going to practice them right away. I didn't mention, I forgot to mention, Caroline, we're having communion at the end. But um, in case the whole time you're wondering, like, I think he forgot to do communion. Um, but we're going to practice right away. Uh, that's the important part. Um, that... Uh, this receiving and releasing forgiveness as we're accustomed to do during communion. 
But the first application is to receive forgiveness, right? You can't give what you don't have. Everything we have is from heaven. Every good thing and perfect gifts from the Father of lights. There's nothing we have that we haven't been given. How else can the scriptures say it? <laughs> and today, if there's anything for which you need to be forgiven, receive forgiveness. If it looks like confessing to a trusted brother or sister as part of that, the Bible says confess to one another and um, pray for one another that you may be healed. And you can ask God for, to forgive you and he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. The second application is to release God's forgiveness, forgiving yourselves and forgiving others from the debt that they owe you. Keeping your heart free to free others. Remember, we are ambassadors. We're not just righteous. We're not just innocent. We're not just forgiven. We are ambassadors of a ministry of reconciliation. And rather than not forgiving, thereby giving the key to back to Satan, the key that Jesus won for you on the cross, rather than that, let's take that key and release other people from prison. Letting them know, hey, you can actually forgive. Hey, you're actually forgiven. You probably, you may not know that. <laughs> like we could just tell them that good news, freeing others. Brothers and sisters, let's forgive much because we've been forgiven much. Amen? Amen.